This is the Married Man Podcast, home of the warrior husband, and I am Brian Bandis, the married man. This is episode number 20. All right, 20 down. Not bad. This is episode number 20, in which we are going to talk about what to do when you and your wife fundamentally disagree on things that are of, of, of importance. So uh, before we do that, uh, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a review on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you're listening. Would truly, truly appreciate that, guys. Uh, subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That would be amazing. The Married Man Podcast comes out once a week, and it's where we talk about how to bring our A game to our marriage. And just as importantly, how we become great men by stepping up to fulfill our roles as husbands and for some of us as fathers. So my hope is that if nothing else, after listening to this, I want you to leave with enough gas in the tank to decide that you're going to give your absolute best to your family for another week, no matter how hard it might get. All right. All right. Cool. So first of all, uh, last week, Uh, I introduced this idea of the sort of 2021 challenge, doing those five things each day uh, for your wife and watching to see how that um, causes your marriage to grow. As a reminder, those five items, once a day, you start the day with, I love you. At some point during the day, you ask your wife to tell you about something that's important to you, to her, excuse me. You say, hey, tell me about such and such, and then you got to shut your yap and listen for at least five minutes. Truly listen to your wife. That will cause her to feel heard, to feel cared for, to feel loved. Um, Next, you ask, what can I do for you that would be helpful or make your life a little easier or better today? And then whatever it is, you do that thing. Uh, Then you thank her for something. Thank you so much for, you know, fill in the blank. Uh, It really means a lot to me when you do that thing because fill in the blank. And then you end the day with I love you. So it's I love you. Tell me about something you care about. What can I do for you? Thank you. And I love you again. Five things doing it doing each of those things daily. So curious how that is going for you guys. Um, and hop on the uh, private Facebook group. We got a we got a married man Facebook group. Hop on there and share your experience of how that's going so far. Those of you who are doing it, those of you who are not, start today. It is not hard. Uh, in the email I sent out on Monday, uh, I included a background, a phone background that outlines those five items. You can save it as, as your, you know, your home screen or your lock screen on your phone. Um, and which you'll definitely be looking at all day. Um, and every time you see it, it'll remind you, okay, I'm trying to do these five things. And I'm telling you guys, there's no way you do that every single day for a week or a month or six months or a year. And you don't see a difference. There is just no way that it doesn't make a difference. So uh, challenge you guys to to continue working on that. And you're going to miss some days and that's okay. No big deal. Just come back the next day and keep it going. So what if you disagree, what if you disagree with your wife on a big issue? I'm not talking about, you know, I want Chewy's for dinner and she wants, you know, payway. I'm talking about a big issue. And it, it may surprise you guys to know that my wife and I do not agree on everything at all. And I'm talking about big things. Like uh, I would say, generally speaking, she leans very consistently more liberal in certain things, and I lean more conservative in certain things to use uh, terrible labels, which I think are at times fairly worthless. But to just generalize and give you a picture, 
we are not exactly aligned. We don't fall at the same place on on many of the spectrums, whether it's political, social, religious. There's a lot of places where there's some differences in how we see things, and it's on bigger things. Um, and so wanted to, she and I have been working through that and it's not always easy. It, sometimes it stresses me out. I've told her, man, sometimes I just wish you just agreed with me. That would just make it so much easier. And for me coming from, coming from, um, a family, unfortunately that, that, uh, was broken up when I was, when I was, I don't know, fourth, fifth grade, uh, I have a real fear of, of my wife and I not making it. And I would say that that fear does not regularly torment me. But one of the triggers for that is when these disagreements come up where I go, oh man, we just see the world fundamentally differently on some of these things. That fear starts creeping in and I start going, well, man, what's the threshold? Like at what point do we see things so differently that this can't survive? Right. And so We've been working through that and learning how to have a wonderful marriage and a wonderful home and a, and a rich, loving, caring relationship um, in a way where there's space for differing views, okay? Um, so I wanted to share with you, I came up with five, it looks like five sort of thoughts, ideas, points um, that, that might be helpful for those of you who are in a similar situation. And I would guess that this situation will describe all of us to some degree. There is no husband and wife who will agree on every single important thing. It's just not going to happen. So whether it's one thing or five things or 40 things, you're going to run into a situation where you and your wife have differing opinions, pretty strong opinions, and it's not going to be a small issue. It's going to be something big, like do we spank our kids? Do we homeschool or private school or public school? You know, Do we move into a bigger house or do we stay where we are? Things like that. Um, and so here's what I would challenge you with. First of all, these thoughts, this is not an exhaustive um, solution. This isn't this isn't it and follow this and all the problems are gone. But I do think it'll be helpful. It's not clinical, uh, but it is based on my experience and my experience learning uh, oftentimes the hard way how to navigate these things uh, with my own wife. So I want to remind you that you might have to lead the way uh, as, as the first one to approach these, these differences in this way with patience and understanding and some renewed perspective here. Um, I think it is so difficult to do that when the partner is not doing the same thing. So if I'm being patient and, and my wife is snapping back at me, it's hard to remain patient. It's hard to feel like she deserves for me to be patient. I'm going to snap back. The goal becomes to win, right? So the goal is not to win in terms of defeating your wife, the enemy. That's not the deal. A win is when you can find your way back to unity, right? Intimacy. That, that's the win is the wholeness and strength of your marriage. So here's the first thing. And this, this can really, this is, in my opinion, I won't get political, but this is missing in our culture right now. I think it's exasperated by social media. And that is consider opposing views as valid, not meaning correct, but as valid. And here's what I, ask, what I would ask you. Do you hold your views? Do you hold them for fun? Do you hold them blindly? Or do you hold your views 
for reasons that you see as good reasons. They come from somewhere, do they not? Your views are thought out. At least we think they are. You hold your views for a reason. You didn't just roll the dice and choose one. They come from your experience. They come from your upbringing, from your culture, from values that, that you picked up somehow, whether it was from your parents, you know, from church, from friends. You picked up values that shaped your worldview. And so you hold your views for a reason. And you have to assume that the person on the other side from you, in this case, your wife, holds her views for a reason too. They come from the sources of information that we have chosen, whether consciously or unconsciously, to trust, right? There are good examples of that and bad examples of that. I chose to trust for a long time a message that I was a loser, that I was a have-not. I can't even remember where that message came from. It came from my experience with my family falling apart and going to visit a wealthy friend's family and all these things that sent me this message. And I decided at the time that that information was trustworthy and I, and I internalized it as truth and it shaped my worldview, shaped my view about myself. So our, our views, they come, from, they come from somewhere purposeful. It doesn't mean they are right. That view that I held wasn't right, but I didn't hold it for no reason. I had experiences that provided me with that information. I decided at the time that that information was trustworthy. So chances are that you don't think that your wife is an idiot or you wouldn't have chosen to marry her, right? There's some substance there or you probably wouldn't be married to this person, which means you can trust that there are reasons that she sees as valid that inform her views. I'm not saying therefore agree with her. I'm not even saying therefore that she's correct and you just don't get it. She might be incorrect. I was incorrect when I thought I was a loser and a have not, but there was a reason for those views. And if somebody just came in and slapped me across the face and said, get over it, that's not true. That would not have been helpful and it wouldn't have worked because it wouldn't have addressed the root of that view, right? So the first is to understand and consider and believe that opposing views to yours are valid in the sense that they are held for a reason. If my wife comes to me and says, I feel like you don't love me right now. Well, she is wrong because I do love her. If anyone would know, it'd be me because I'm the one who... (laughs) who loves or doesn't love in this scenario, right? However, it's also true that she feels that way. She's allowed to feel that way. And my guess is, if she does feel that way, there's a reason. And if I skip the reason and I go, well, I do, you idiot. I am missing the point. Because there's something at the root of that belief. Number two, value the differences and expect the need to compromise. And this is true in all human relationships and most true in your marriage. And the need to compromise in your marriage is so much more acute because you have committed to this person. There are a lot of people in the world that I don't really need to compromise um, because I can just never see them again. I can just never be around them. We can sort of stay out of each other's way and it's no big deal. So I I want you to listen to your wife and I want to listen to my wife with the desire to understand that perspective. Where are these views coming from? And I want to value the differences. 
For me, that's been really hard. There are some things that my wife and I disagree on where I hold my view very, very strongly. I hold my view very close. And uh, those who disagree, I have to really guard against these idiots who disagree with me. Can't they see that I'm clearly right and they're clearly wrong? Except they feel the same way. They feel the exact same way. So there is value. There is value in the differences. It doesn't mean that we back off of our belief of what is true, but there's value in the differences. And for for my wife and I, over time, and we've talked about it a lot, we have both grown immensely because we are in a marriage with someone who sees things differently, and we have to give some credence, and we have to give some thought to views that oppose our own. If it's not my wife, it's just some guy on Twitter. I can I, like the guy's an idiot. I can write him off. Who freaking cares what this freaking nut job in Minnesota says, right? But this isn't a nut job in Minnesota. This isn't somebody behind a weird profile pic. This is my wife, who I know is an intelligent and thoughtful person. This is somebody I respect, somebody I trust, and she says that there's another valid way to look at this besides my way, and there is real value in that. And so I have to continually work and remind myself to value that difference. And I have to expect the need to compromise. There's not going to be a scenario at any point in our marriage until we die where we don't need to compromise anymore and we see everything the same and we never disagree. We always want the same thing. We always value the same thing and prioritize things. It's just not going to happen. I have to let go of that and therefore expect the need to compromise. And I can look at that and value the differences, value the need to compromise because it makes me a better person. Number three, slow down with this. Do not be over eager. Don't be quick to anger. You have to have patience. You have to desire understanding. Don't let your fear dictate your reaction to this disagreement. There's a uh, Bible verse that says, be not quick in your spirit to become angry for anger lodges in the hearts of fools. I mean, I love that description. Have you ever felt that way? You don't have to be a a Bible-believing Christian to appreciate the idea of anger lodging in the heart of a fool. Have you ever been, have you ever felt like anger is lodged, lodged in there in the way that like you can't, you can't see past it. Like you can't, I can't think clearly about the situation because I'm so frustrated, so angry. I can't even, I can't even process, right? And so this is why I say slow down here. Don't let that anger get lodged in there. Control your breathing. Slow down your responses. So what I said a second ago in this section, uh, I said, don't let your fear dictate your reaction. So this is number four. There's two things you need to discover. Number one, well, this is number four, but the first thing you need to discover is what is behind this belief and what fear is at the root of this belief and and at the heart of if this belief were to go the other way, to go her way, right? So I'm going to give you guys an example. When we first became parents, Um, I was pretty much planning on spanking our children and she uh, was hesitant around that. And for me, it was like, man, this is how I grew up and I'm fine. I might even be, have turned out pretty good. And 
it's, you know, and spanking was part of it. Spanking didn't ruin me, didn't ruin my relationships with my parents. It's just part of it. You don't spank. I'm not talking about beating our kids, right? We're not talking about losing our temper and taking it out on them. We're just talking about discipline. And she really wasn't comfortable with that. And so we talked through this quite a bit. I did spank for a while, but I asked questions um, to try to understand where she was coming from. And then going back to this idea of understanding the fear, for me, I discovered, well, the, the fear is, I, I had two fears at the root of this if it went her way. If I didn't get my way, here's what I was afraid of. I was afraid, number one, that my sons are, are going to grow up and they're going to be, you know, they're going to be pansies. They're not going to be tough. They're not going to have discipline. They're going to be soft and I won't have done my job. I will have failed them. And number two, that people around me, other, other men, they spank their kids and I don't and I'm a sissy. You know, sort of the perception of others who would go, you're not spanking? Why would you not do that? We were raised that way and it's going to toughen your kids up and it's just part of it, you know. So I feared failing my children and I feared uh, the perception of others. And so the second one, when I identified that, I was really pretty easily able to let go of that. I kind of went, oh, okay, um, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm not going to make my decision based on that. I'm going to talk to Kelly and we'll figure it out, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to decide to spank or not based on whether I think other people want me to. So that one was easy. Then I had to think about the first one. Can I raise high character, mentally tough really exceptional young men without spanking them? Or do I believe that the key, the linchpin to them becoming that is me spanking them? Or are there countless other opportunities for me to ingrain these values into them, whether I spank them or not? And I finally went, yeah, I think I can raise them into these kinds of men without spanking them. I I think I can pull that off. I think there's a lot of other opportunities. Additionally, because I was willing to come from curiosity and consider the possibility that there was validity behind uh, Kelly's views, we talked about it and she shared with me some things that she had been reading and she works in, uh, she's a speech language, language pathologist and she works in preschool settings and has done a ton of work around um, understanding uh, behavioral development in children, all this. And she just said, hey, here's the things that... that um, science has started to show us, and here's some things I've read. And the more I heard, I just thought, man, if I can swallow, if I can get past my pride here, what she's saying is pretty valid. And my fear is gone now because I have said I can raise great men if if we don't spank them. I can still raise great men. And so that understanding the fear that was behind it allowed me to get past it. And that became something that I felt fine with compromising and going, all right, we can kind of go, we can do this your way. And spoiler alert, it's been years and my kids are badass. I'm just going to tell you guys, my boys are legit. They're so legit. The first one only got spanked a little, the second one, not at all. And they're cool as can be. All right. So that is, that is the value of understanding the fear that's at the root. Sometimes we'll go to that fear and, 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 and we will discover, oh no, this fear is valid. And this is why I have to stick to this view. And, and that still is helpful because then we can articulate to our spouse, listen, here is why I feel so strongly about this and I've thought about it and I'm convinced this is the case. Let's just pretend I said, I just, I don't see another way to raise them into good men who have mental toughness and da, 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 da. Now, I think I would have been wrong, but it 
when we examine the fear, it gives us the opportunity to communicate in that way. The other thing that we need to discover is how important is this? And I think understanding the fear, like we talked about a second ago, is, is part of that journey. How important is this item? Is this, is this the hill that I need to die on? Is this the hill that I would risk you know, sacrificing my marriage on? Or risk um, really, really damaging our unity? Is this the hill that I would die on? And there are very few things, if any, that should be on that list. Spanking should not be on the list of, I'm going to draw the line or we're not married. There are very few, you know, how my wife votes in this last election or how I vote is not the hill that either of us is going to sacrifice our marriage on. We might have opinions about it. We may see it differently, but I am not, that is not the hill I'm going to die on where I draw some hard line. That, that list is either extremely short or there's nothing on it. So again, ask yourself questions to understand that and ask questions to try and understand the same thing from your wife's side. And I, I would go back to the fear one as well and say that you can, and these questions have to be asked from a, from a head space and with a tone of genuine curiosity and care. Um, but asking questions to help your wife understand these, these two same things, what's the fear behind it and how important is this truly? And what we've found is that a lot of the things that come up, we'll discover that one of us cares a lot more than the other. And when I discover that, that I care about this, you know, three out of 10 and she cares eight out of 10, I'll just go, all right, well, I'll give that one to you. That's not that big a deal. And you really, really care. And that can be really helpful as well. So try to understand how much is it that you truly, truly care about this. Often we care a different amount. And that makes it really easy to concede and to compromise. So lastly, and this is just a bonus, I have found it helpful on occasion when we really find ourselves in disagreement, we'll pause and we'll go back and we'll say, hey, I, I just want you to know that like, it's okay that you disagree with me on this. It's okay that we are not in alignment on this. Like, I still love you. I still like you. I'm not going anywhere. And we're, you know, we'll, we'll find a solution here. I just want you to know it's okay, ultimately, that you don't agree with me. That is not you know, a death sentence to this relationship. I still love you. And that can be really helpful. When there's, when there's serious disagreement, for me, and, and this is something Kelly does well, and she knows that, man, I just have this. As you guys know, I obviously really care about marriage, and my experience was so painful that I just... I, I get afraid in these moments that it will lead to the same thing for my family. She knows that. And so in the middle of serious disagreement, she'll go, hey, it's okay that, that we disagree on these things. And I'm not, it doesn't mean we're going to you know, not make it work. We just have to work through it. And that, assur- that for me anyway, that reassurance is so helpful. And I know that it's helpful to her at times. And I would imagine that for you men listening, it would be helpful on occasion for your wife. So that's a little bonus item. Guys, thank you for listening. That's what I got for you today. The meat and potatoes of the married man. I say this every week, so I'm going to pause and I just break the pattern here and, and, and ask those of you listening, if you're aware that, that the main, the main meat and potatoes of the married man is the weekly newsletter. I send out an email every single Monday morning. I want you to start your, your week off right, focused on the things that matter the most 
focus on family, focused on your wife. We know you're going to go out and work your ass off. And this is going to remind you that in the context of going out and and kicking ass and taking names, you do not lose sight of why you are doing that at all, right? And that is your family. That is to give to them, to provide for them, to love on them. So if you do nothing else, please head over to themarriedman.co. There's no M. I couldn't afford the M. Themarriedman.co and subscribe to the newsletter. It hits your inbox every Monday morning. Uh, I send out an email and do this podcast every Wednesday. And for those of you who are just finding The Married Man, it's been uh, it's been around for a couple of years now. If you go to themarriedman.co, there are uh, archives of all the old emails and stuff like that. And there's some pretty good stuff in there. So thank you, gents, for listening. And I will talk to you in a week. A good day. Bye. Thank you.